Support for Talking Art on WVIK comes from the people at Quad City Bank and Trust, helping the local community with their banking and financial needs for more than 20 years. Information is at qcbt.com. This is Carolyn Martin, and I'm talking art today with Kenan Odenkirk, who will be performing Santa Land Diaries based on the David Sedaris essay this coming weekend, December 12th through 15th at the Brunner Theater in Rock Island. Welcome, Kenan. Thank you so much. For those not familiar with the author David Sedaris, his Christmas tale is, is you know, it's unbelievably funny and a very irreverent look at his experience working at Macy's as an elf during the holiday season. Describe the play in more detail for us. Uh, yeah, so when David Sedaris was about 33 years old, he moved to New York to do some writing, because as you do when you're a writer, and uh, he had all these kind of incredible fantasies about what would happen to him there, but in reality, he just showed up and was poor and <laughs> didn't have a job and was looking for work most of the time. So he saw an ad in the newspaper for becoming a uh, Santa Land elf with Macy's, and... Um, he just called in, got an interview. Uh, he talks about the whole process of actually getting into the um, the core of elves and then his whole experience as he goes through his time in Santa Land. And it, it, essentially, it's just absolute madness. The background of that um, organization is pure insanity, and it was ripe for comedic writing. So mm-hmm. he, he went through his whole two or three months there, or I guess it would just be maybe a month and a half, and uh, then he wrote down all of his stories mm-hmm. about how he slowly descends into madness <laughs> as a Santa Land elf. And it it is very self-deprecating, which I think is one way in which it works. Mm-hmm. He's kind of this anti-hero, and he names himself Crumpet, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of the other elves are Snowflake and happier names, but Crumpet, I think, symbolizes kind of his state of mind at that time. Mm-hmm. He's he's very misanthropic. Mm-hmm. He's just not... Uh... He's not happy with humanity in general, and Santa Land does not seem to help him, even though it's the Christmas season when we're all supposed to be embracing one another's humanity. He just kind of descends further and further into dislike for his fellow man, which um, I suppose we can all appreciate to a certain degree during the holidays. But, um, yeah. Right. So this is it's not the uplifting traditional holiday story, but it's so funny. Mm-hmm. It's just unbelievably funny. Um, and the play was adapted for the stage by Joe Montello. How, how does it differ from Sedaris's book? Um, it's very the, the differences are very small. I mean, the, the story itself is broken up into various bits about you know the elves, the Santas, the customers, um, what Santa Land looks like. It's broken up into these various comedic bits, and the, all Joe Montello did, as far as I can tell, after reading the Santa Land Diaries, the book is he kind of moved them around to make them fit a theatrical structure a little bit better, and he added some very uh, minor stage direction, like uh, Crumpet changes into his costume. or um, That's pretty much it. I'm pretty sure that's the only piece of stage <laughs> direction that exists in the script, as far as I know. His, um, his costume, David Sedaris, describes it in great detail mm-hmm. because he's mortified that he has to dress up like that. He's embarrassed to go anywhere outside Santa Land dressed up as this elf. Absolutely. Yeah, it's... um. It's as absurd. It's Buddy the Elf times 10. It's just the most um, embarrassing, um, <laughs> ridiculous costume that you can imagine an elf being in. 
um, taken to an extreme simply because it shows the respect that Santa Land has for the integrity of the people working for mm-hmm. it to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but he really digs into that. And ultimately, you know, he is a cynic and a misanthrope and kind of an angry guy smoking sn- cigarettes and drinking from his flask on his lunch break. But he's doing it all in curly-toed shoes and the big elf hat. And it just visually, it's very funny. Mm-hmm. The essay was written in 1992, and the play was adapted in 1996. And it's a one-person or one-man play, Mm -hmm. I should say. So you're the entire show. Start to finish. Yeah, and what is – What's it like for you performing in a solo production? That that must be a lot of pressure. It's uh, it's very new for me. I've been leads before, and I've been in a lot. I've been in theater for the grand majority of my life at this point, but I've never just been on stage with no one to fall back on but me and never having eyes leave me. To a certain degree, that is a, a skill um, that I thrive on, is being able to kind of prepare myself for the next bit where I'll be the center of attention and and it is interesting having an hour of time or more where people are looking at your face and people are looking at how you move your body and how you're presenting this character on stage. You can't ever relax or turn off. And it makes it very – it's exhausting to perform the show. But when it's going well and when I'm into it 100%, it is more satisfying than any other production I've I've made so far because mm-hmm. it allows me to really get into it and stay in it mm-hmm. the whole time. Do you have a favorite scene, one that you think is particularly <laughs> outrageous or funny? I am – I just – I can't get over the scene. I, I've struggled so far. We've only rehearsed minorly, but even rehearsing it in my house, memorizing it, the part I can't get over and I just fall apart laughing is there's a misbehaving child who's screaming and having a hard time in Santa land. And his mother says, if you don't start behaving, Santa's going to bring you coal. And she waves David Sedaris over and says, tell him, tell Riley that if he doesn't behave, he's going to get coal. And of course, in true fashion, he says that Santa no longer traffics in coal. And if you're misbehaving, Santa will come to your house and steal things. (laughs) And he just gets really up in this kid's face and starts saying, he's going to take your car. He's going to take your refrigerator. All your food's going to spoil. And just really, and the mother is like into it. And then she's like, no, wait a minute. Hold on. You're freaking him out. This is a creepy elf. And he just keeps digging into it and really getting in this kid's face. And it's, it's just so hilarious to see how much he... The degradation of his mind as it goes through turn gets to a point where he's willing to just like freak a kid out very intentionally. It's very funny. Mm-hmm. There is this part um, I loved in the in the play too, and it sounds so terrible when you say it, but you have to read it or see. And in this case, see the play where <laughs> where this um, this customer is very upset with him because he's he's kind of the smart elf, and yeah. and she asked where the um, which line is for the women's restroom, and he said, well, the one with just the women in it. And <laughs> she says, I'm going to get you fired, and he says, I'm going to get you killed, <laughs> something along those lines. So, yeah, it's it's pretty hilarious. But overall, too, there's this searing indictment towards mm-hmm. parents who are who are capturing their, their children, every action on film. I mean, at that point, mm-hmm. in 1992, we didn't have digital cameras or uh, digital phones, you know, with – or sorry, phones with digital cameras. And um, so everybody had video recorders. Mm-hmm. And um, he really uh, critiques parents who are into documenting mm-hmm. their child's every move, which I can only imagine what he'd have to say about today's world. Oh, my God. You know, God, where, yeah. where every child's on Instagram and – Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a just a different world. Uh, why do you think humor works so well here in this play? I think it works 
wonderfully, and it is an indictment of, of the parents and of Christmas, honestly, how it interacts with our, our, our communities and uh, how it's been commercialized mercilessly. It, it's, it's severe in how it looks at how much it's been commercialized and how that takes something so wonderful and beautiful that um, a lot of people believe in and consider to be the best time of year and just tries to squeeze it for every bit of money that they can. And um, it, it, it digs into that, but then at the end of it all, it really says that um, no matter how hard people try to squeeze it for all it's worth, it's still Christmas. Mm-hmm. It still manages to be magical and mean something to a lot of people. And uh, some people take it a bit too seriously and um, are desperate to um, document every single moment of it. But even at the core of that, there's it, it means something to them. They want to document all of it because they want to remember going to Santa Land with their nine-year-old when their nine-year-old is 30. Mm-hmm. And that that is the good part of humanity. It doesn't address that, but it manages to show you that by addressing the negative side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in that it's brilliant. And also David Sedaris, like you mentioned, very self-deprecating and as much absurdity as he uncovers in the piece itself of the parents and the Santas and everybody, he he addresses the fact that he is insane first. It's always the fact that maybe I just don't get this. Maybe everyone else is on board and loves this stuff, and I'm the only one who thinks it's crazy. But when he presents it to an audience, it's clear that it's not crazy. Mm-hmm. It, we are all crazy. <laughs> yeah, you you instantly fall fall in love with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't stop laughing when I first first read it. It's it's really mm-hmm. it's just delightful and as you said, brilliant. And Santa Land Diaries. This work um, was what launched David Sedaris's career twenty over twenty five years ago. He was um, a struggling writer. He um, read this work uh, on national NPR and uh, during Morning Edition, and things moved quickly for him after that. His whole career the whole trajectory changed mm-hmm. yeah it which is you know well deserved i've read several of his other books all of his work tends to be um in a similar vein but he's a fascinating man with fascinating stories and a wonderful um a sweet outlook on life mixed with just you know biting sarcasm and and uh, a severe look on the human condition i would mm-hmm. say so christmas does not <laughs> Um, avoid it's not excluded. That. Yeah, it's not excluded <laughs> from that look. How long did it take you to prepare for this production? Um, I would have to say uh, three weeks. It's 28 pages long. I memorized two pages a day, sometimes more if I could hack it, um, for about two or three weeks. And um, and I'm just cleaning things up now, but I would say two to three weeks is, is right in there, just for memorization purposes. We're in the rehearsal process now of making sure it's uh, the beats are all correct, and my blocking is clean, and how to add in these little physical bits, um, and just working with the character and making it, making sure it's a good representation of that character. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And you're no stranger to the stage. You've been a consistent figure on the Bruner Theater stage for mm-hmm. some time. You graduated from Augustana in 2018. How many different productions would you say you've been in here in the Quad Cities? Boy, um... I'd have to say in the Quad Cities, I've done some work on, at the Quad City Theater Workshop as well, and just uh, Mississippi Bend Players, which is which is run uh, running Sandaland right now. Um, but on the Bruner stage, I would have to say I was in the first production, Othello. 
Um, so probably eight or nine productions, something like that, if we include uh, some of the, the studio productions that I did. Um, but yeah, overall at Augustana, probably in the 20s somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's impressive. What has the process of acting taught you about yourself? Particularly this, um, it's brought up because it is such a heavy-duty comedy where you have to bounce back and forth between the drama of how screwed up things are and the comedy of how absurd it is. Um, I have really gone through a process of thinking about what makes me, Keenan Odenkirk, playing this character funny. Because um, I'm not David Sedaris. You know, I can't do it the way that he does it. Um, what is my approach to this that is going to make it, you know, make it the version of funny that it deserves, frankly? Um and that brings up a lot of things for, for actors generally about, am I entertaining? And I know I am, I suppose, simply because I've been doing this for a long time and I've had some entertaining performances that people have really enjoyed, so I've got that to lean on. But you get presented with some new material that you've never quite approached before, and you got a question. You have that moment of doubt, which is, can I do this? I don't know if I can. And... um the only way to avoid it is dive at it as hard as you can and start memorizing, working, doing bits, showing people. That's a big thing is just showing people and seeing what works and what doesn't. And at the end of the day, you have a product. And the, the middle is such a flurry between the doubt and the product that you don't you, you lose it mm-hmm. after a while. Yeah. I saw you a year and a half ago, I think, in the P.J. Lasker play Beginner's Luck, which you performed with your brother, Mm -hmm. uh, Tristan. In fact, the two of you were alter egos of the same person. Mm -hmm. So theater seems to run in your family a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We we both went to a a small little Christian school in Tucson, Arizona that had a Shakespeare program. So kindergarten through sixth grade, we were performing Shakespeare about once a year. And each class got, like, kindergartners ran around the Maypole, and um, first graders maybe did a little monologue that they read off a note card. And by sixth grade, you performed a full Shakespeare play um, in its entirety. Um, Usually it was a cut version, but still. So I was in King Lear as a sixth grader, and um, my mom said something to me about how seriously I was taking it, and I was memorizing everyone else's lines and just really getting into the story and character, and... Uh, I realized this is something I I really love to do. I took a year off from doing theater, I think, in middle school or the beginning of high school, and I realized, like, man, what am I doing not doing this? This is something that's been a part of my life since I was yay big, and um, I can't imagine not doing it. Um, So I got back into it full force, and Tristan, I think, had a very similar experience. He, um, it was something that we could do together, which was always a ton of fun. And it was great to have a little bit of competition, especially with a guy who looks like you and sounds a little <laughs> bit like you. He does look like you. In yeah. fact, he's still here at Augustana. Mm-hmm. He is. And uh, he just, um, he did a show where he got um, frosted tips. So he is blonde now, which doesn't help because he's usually a brunette, which is how people tell us apart. But um, yeah, he's still doing great work out here, and I'm hoping he's moving to Chicago next year. Mm-hmm. We can do some work out mm-hmm. there. You have an uncle, at least one or two, in, in, um, who are actors as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're, in, uh, they're in television. They're both writers, excellent, excellent comedic writers. Um, one of them, I believe, is currently uh, a writer for Disenchanted on Netflix, and the other one is Saul in Better Call Saul, um, the Breaking Bad sp- spinoff. And uh, they are huge inspirations mostly because of their um, 
their stick-to-itiveness. I mean, it's, it's a tough business. It is. But I was told by my uncle at one point that it's a business. Mm-hmm. You work hard, you hone what you're good at, and you succeed. It, there is a decent amount of luck, but there's a decent amount of luck in just about everything in life. Mm-hmm. So keep grinding and things will turn up. And uh, so we're mostly engaged in theater um, as opposed to getting into television and film, though I am starting to kind of turn that way a little bit these days. But um, mostly it was just showing that performance and entertainment is a business that can be succeeded in. It's not a pipe dream. It's, it's something that if you work hard and you love it, uh, things will turn up. Mm-hmm. And it's so gratifying to see you, see you do that. In addition to acting, you're, you're also doing some writing now that you're in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, I, I got out there and I was working temp jobs and I wanted a little bit more free time to pursue acting because, um, thank the Lord, I was consistently getting parts. I was auditioning regularly and getting probably 75 to 90% of everything I was auditioning for, which is not bad odds, frankly, for being new to Chicago. So I uh, decided to take some time off work. And while I was taking time off work, I found a, a few freelance writing websites and writing is something I'm, I'm pretty good at. And uh, I've spent a lot of time doing in the past several years. So I just started doing kind of um, advertising copy and uh, writing articles for, for different blogs and whatnot to to pay the bills a little bit. And that's been a little bit of money coming in. So mm-hmm. that's been nice. Great. Keenan Odenkirk, thank you so much for talking today. And best of luck with your upcoming solo performance. Thank you so much for having me. Don't miss the opportunity to see the Mississippi Bend Players' performance of Santa Land Diaries this coming weekend, Thursday, December 12th through Saturday, December 14th at 7.30 p.m. and on Sunday, December 15th at 2 p.m. Shows will be performed at the Bruner Theater Complex on the Augustana College campus, and tickets can be obtained online at mississippibendplayers.com or at the door. Be prepared to laugh your way through the show, and remember, this is a holiday show for mature audiences. This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities for WVIK. Our theme music is provided by a Quad City legend, the late Ellis Cal.